to welcome you once again. We're glad that you're able to join with us. And uh, um, if you've never been to our church before, uh, we, uh, we hope that you'll come back. Uh, we, uh, uh, we don't always not have a place for you to sit. Uh, we'd love it to be like this every week. Uh, we, we have plans for another building, and that would help me push that along. So come back. Uh, but uh, uh, we, we would love to have you join us. Uh, we, uh, if you are new to this area, we, we started this church uh, seven years ago and uh, uh, have, been, have been building from that. And we've tried to do things uh, in a way that makes sure that we don't get in the way of the message. And uh, we, we talk a lot about how we as Christians get in the way of the message a lot. Uh, we, uh, we, we tend to be judgmental people. We tend, I'm, I'm saying not us, this church. We, we, we try not to be judgmental people. I think Christians as a whole, we tend to be uh, judgmental people. We, we tend to turn people off to the message. And so we, we try to make sure that we're focused in on who we're called to be. And uh, I, I hope you picked up on that as you came in. I hope that you were warmly uh, greeted. I hope that you sense the presence of God through the, through the singing, through the prayers, uh, through, the, through the service. And uh, our, our number one hope for you today is that as you leave this place and go home, uh, that even if just for a moment you, you remember that you're important, that you're not an accident, that, uh, that God cares about you and has a plan for you. You know, on Easter, there's, there's lots of things we can talk about. Because this is such, this is, I had one of my friends tell me that for a preacher, like Easter's like your Super Bowl, isn't it? And I said, yeah, sort of. This is the, this is the highlight of what we believe. In fact, Paul says in the scriptures, if Christ is not raised from the dead, if he didn't do what we say, then we're all idiots for gathering together and doing this thing called Christianity. This is the core of what, what we believe. This is the core of, of, of why we gather. This is the core of why we, we offer our lives to a, a loving God. The problem is, is so many of us growing up, we, we got this wrong idea about God. Instead of a God who loves us, instead of a God who wants to do anything he can to demonstrate that, we got our, this picture of a, of a God that just wants to ruin our lives. Of a God that... It's sort of like that associate, that assistant principal in the high school. You know that when you're when you're in the hallway when you're not supposed to, he's always there, and and he just gets this thrill out of catching you doing something wrong, and he can't. He loves giving you detention, and there's just this sick sense of pleasure out of watching high school kids suffer. That, and I, I can tell the high school kids are right with me. They're going, yeah. Hopefully the principal's not in this class so, or in, in this, this gathering. But, you know, a lot of us think that's the way God is. That he, he just, he has all these rules and he just cannot wait to catch us doing something wrong so that we could, so that he can, he can punish us. And you know what, if you grow up with that kind of, t- I don't blame you if you don't want to have anything to do with God. I, I, I don't want to have anything to do with that God. Now, don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. We have a God who has standards. We have a God who is righteous and just. But the word that best characterizes him, that, that fits in with all others, yes, he's righteous, but with his righteousness, the fundamental thing about God is he is love. 
And nothing he does is apart from love. His righteousness, his, his, his justice, all of that is based upon his, his love for us. And man, isn't, isn't that exactly what we need? Because I, I know I'm not the only one who has made mistakes in my life. Apparently, James Bryce that was up here, our little kid, apparently he's the only one so far. <laughs> And which, if you know him, that's the biggest joke of all. <laughs> but we all, we all make mistakes, don't we? And some of them, some of them you know, they're, they're things that we can try to make up. But there are some times when we say something or do something or act in a certain way that no matter what you say, no matter what you do, you just can't take it back, can you? Once, once the words are out there, once the, once the action's been done, it doesn't matter what you say or do, it, it's not going to go away. You might be able to cover it over, but it's not going to be go, able to go away. Well, you know, that's, that's called the human condition. That's called sin nature. It's what we all have. It's the, it's the problem that God had to deal with. It's... it's this creation that he, he brought together, that he cared so much about, that he, he formed together and took such care and made sure it was perfect. And then we ruined it by our bad decision after our bad decision. That's the problem he had to deal with. And, and, if, and, and he had lots of ways he could have dealt with it. He could have just started over. He could have wiped us out. He could have come up with a better, improved model. But no, he decided... The thing that we couldn't do for ourselves is bridge that gap between us and God. The thing we could never do ourselves, he'd do for us. And that's what we've been celebrating throughout this week. Those are the things we've been remembering. We go back to Thursday, that night that he met with his disciples, the upper, the upper room. When he met with his disciples, knowing what's coming, knowing the, the, the pain and suffering that's ahead of him, knowing that these guys that he's spent three years with trying to form into a, a team that might be able to carry on, that knowing that they were going to blow it. He meets with his friends, knowing that among those 12 was a guy that was about ready to sell him out. He meets with them and washes their feet and... and shares a meal with them, introduces what we now know as Holy Communion, prays for them, leaves the place that night, goes into the Garden of Gethsemane, falls on his face and prays, God, if there's any way we can do this, any other way we can do this, please. But no matter what, I want to follow what you have for me. Not my will, but yours, is the words in the Bible. And that led him to trials, where he was falsely accused. That led to humiliation, beating, shame, cross, death. Saturday is the day of silence in the church where we remember that God succumbed to death. But Sunday, Sunday is the day we remember that God has power over the two things that we have no power over, the two things that get us over and over again. Number one, sin. 
that we cannot live a life free of sin. We just cannot do it. And you know what? God conquered that for us. That's what he did on the cross for us. He said, you're going to screw up over and over again, so I'm going to pay the price for you. And not only am I going to pay the price, but I'm going to send my spirit to be among you, and you're going to be able to become a better person. I'm going to change you from the inside out. I'm going to give you power over sin. The other one is death. He conquered death. The, the biggest thing for us, our biggest challenge, our biggest fear, he conquered it. It's over. There, there's no more sting to death. There's no more fear with death. We know that we have a place. We know that he'll be with us. He know, we know that he never will forsake us. We know that there is nothing in our lives that he can't take care of. That's, that's the good news. That's the message. Our theme this morning is, we believe amazing grace is more than just a song. We, uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit about this, this word called grace. Because we, we throw it around, but I just want to visit with you a little bit about what that means. And uh, we're going to use a passage to do that. It's a familiar passage. If you ever watch a football game, you always see a guy with a rainbow wig in the, in the grandstand with John 3.16 on on a sign, if you ever wondered what that says, you're going to find out today. John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world, I'm going to go his, this way. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Okay, you've heard that part before. That's one of the most popular passages out there. You've heard that passage before. And that's what we've, we've talked about as the gospel, that the problem God had to deal with was our separation. And he says, God loved the world so much that instead of punishing, he gave. He gave his son. And through his son, we get eternal life. We get, we get a second chance. We get, we get everything. We, we get everything through... But remember that assistant principle, God, who I talked about? That we still have that idea that God's still trying to get us? Read. Jesus didn't come. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to, what's that word? Save it. Not to judge, but to save. Okay? This, friends, is what is the definition of grace. God didn't come to give us what we deserve. He came to give us exactly the opposite. He came to give us a gift that we could never earn, that we certainly didn't deserve. He gave us the exact opposite of what we had earned, of the tally we had created in, in, in eternity. He gave, us the op- he gave us what we didn't deserve. That is grace. That's grace. That's what this Jesus thing is all about. It, it's, a, it's a stumbling block for a lot of people. I know it's a hard thing to get through with about this personal Savior. And Jesus even said that in the Scripture. He said, you know, throughout the ages, I'm, for some people I'll be, a, I'll be a foundation block for their faith. For others, I'm going to be a stumbling block. He realized that but it's upon him that all of our belief rests. It's through him that we get to have all the things that God created us for. What are those things? Hope. 
joy, peace, love, blessings, relationships, all of those things that we want, you know how they come together? Well, they come together through Christ. It's only through Him that we get to have what we can't find anywhere else. In John 10, Jesus says, I came to give you life and give it to you in the fullest, to give it to you abundantly. For those of us that grew up with that idea that God came to screw us out of a good time, that God came to mess up our life, that He came to suck all the joy out, that's exactly opposite of what He came to do. God came to give us the hope, the love, the joy that we so desperately want. It's what you've been looking for in your jobs. It's, been, it's what you've been looking for in your families. It's what you've been looking for everywhere else. You just don't know where to get it. This is, this is where we get it. It's in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where you, you find fulfillment. You know, you, if you're normal, and I'm assuming 90% of you are, um, if you're not, you have, you have made mistakes, right? We let ourselves down all the time. You're going to get married. Okay, I see this all the time. You get, and this was my own story too. You're going to get married. You get, oh man, we love one another. Oh, we, I would like to spend every single second just staring into her eyes. You, know, you were there, right? Six months later, you cannot wait to get out of the house. And you make promises, you know, I'm going to be the best husband. I'm going to be the best wife. I will never nag you. I will never, I will never ignore you. I will. A year later, there's one person on the couch staring at the TV with the other one nagging in his ear about what he should be doing, right? Our kids, you have your kids and you're so excited about them. You tell, oh man, this precious gift, Wow. This changes everything for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the best father. And you have these, these visions of like a movie where you're out in a field of corn throwing a baseball with the kid <laughs> and, and all that kind of stuff. And you're just so excited about what's going to be happening. And he gets to be five years old. And if he can even get your attention for five seconds, it would be a miracle because you're so wrapped up in work and everything else. And we, we let ourselves down all the time, don't we? And it's not that we're bad people. It's not, it, it, we have that desire, but we just cannot get ourselves to live the life that we should. I want to talk about what grace does for us. So that's exactly what Jesus came to give us, is the ability to be what we want. The ability to hit our full stride, the ability to be what we were created, to, the ability to hit our potential. That's what Jesus offers. That's what amazing grace is. The grace of God, it's not just, it, it's, it's a hard thing to describe because it has so many different phases and it goes throughout so many different parts of our lives. The grace of God is what protects us even before we know God. It's that part that, that gets our attention even when you have no thinking of God. In fact, the scriptures tell us even before we're born, the grace of God is there forming us together, planning it in within our minds, 
Remember those times when you've been out on the lake fishing or you've been in a golf course at, at the sunset or, or wherever you've been and there's just something amazing about the, the scenery, the view, and there's just something that goes off inside of you that goes, wow, there's something bigger than me out there. That was the grace of God getting your attention. For some of you, it was when you, you had your first kid. It was, for some of you, it, there's different times it happens, but that's the grace of God that's, that's just reaching out for you, trying to make sure you know that he's there. You know what I'm talking about. You've, you've heard that voice. You've, you've been there. You've had that stirring within you. But the grace of God doesn't stop there. The grace of God is what reaches out and takes our brokenness, takes our sin, takes our inadequacy, and pays the price for it. Now, God is just, and He's righteous. He can't just ignore our sin. He had to deal with it. But instead of placing the punishment on us, He placed the punishment on Christ. That's what the cross is about. The grace of God meets us at our brokenness and, and pays the price for it and raises us up as if it's a clean slate. But it doesn't stop there. The grace of God is what He gives us. It's that presence that fills us. It's that, it's that way our thinking changes, the way our, our priorities change. It's that power of God that, that starts to change us from the inside out, that changes us from self-centered to other-centered that changes us from only worrying about what we get out of it to what we can do for someone else. That makes us realign what's important, that makes us readjust our priorities. That's the grace of God. From before life to well after death. On into eternity. It's the, God's there, the grace of God. That's why we call it amazing grace. You can't put it into one word. You can't, it wouldn't fit in a song to do all of that. It's, it's all, the best way to say it is it's just amazing. You know, the most amazing thing is that it was offered to me and it's offered to you. Paul thought the same thing in one of his, beginning of one of his books in Ephesians. He says, you know what? It still amazes me that God asked me, the chief of all sinners, the, the most principled screw-up in all of history, that he invited me to be the one that shares the good news with others. And you know, that's the story that we all could say, that God took me, that God takes you, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, that the grace of God covers even you. And you want to know the most amazing thing about it? You can never earn it. You can never pay for it. You can, it's ridiculous to even think, how would you even go about beginning that? How would you pay a God back for the life of a son? How, I mean, that's, that's where our religious practices get so ridiculous. Is it, are, you, are we stupid enough to think that come, showing up at church once in a, once in a while is actually going to pay, earn him his favor? And he's like, oh, well, it was worth my son dying. He went to church today. It's so ridiculous to think that, but that's the way we've gotten religion so screwed up. He's not interested in his paying. We can never pay him. 
He just wants us to live into our potential. You know how you say thank you? You live into your potential. You share the love that he gave you with your family. You share the love that he gave you with your neighbors. You don't have to go to Africa to make a difference. You can do it in your household. The grace of God, the amazing grace of God that's available to everyone. And you're never going to be able to earn it. You just accept it. Why don't you bow with me? Let's pray. Lord, as we've been talking about, we know that there's stuff in our life that we're not proud of. We know that we've made mistakes. We know that we've let you down. And it's not that we don't try. We just keep falling short. And usually it's because, God, instead of relying on you, we're relying on ourselves. We're trying to earn it. We're trying to, we're trying to take care of the problem, but we need you. You're the Savior. You're the gift. You're the focal point of the grace. Would you help each of us find ways that we might connect with you? Find ways that we can take that next step of faith. Find ways that we can take that next step of of following who you are. Because God, we want to hit our potential. We, We don't want to waste this life. We don't want to waste our effort. We want to do something that matters. And the only way that happens is when we connect with you. Thank you for the second chance, for the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. God, allow us to show the same grace to others that you have showed to us. And we pray that in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.